Well, hello, and welcome to what we hope will be a brand new series of podcasts. My name is Rebecca Gay. And my name is Emma Isles, and this is Emma and Rebecca Talk IP, a series in which we will take a few minutes each week or so to take a look at something that has caught our attention in the world of intellectual property and try to unravel what's really going on. So this week, it's kind of a no-brainer. Uh, patents and COVID vaccines. Last week, Joe Biden announced that the US would support proposals submitted to the World Trade Organization for a patent waiver. So what does that actually mean and why is it such a big deal? Okay, well, we need to step back in time to the early 1990s when the world was negotiating the suite of free trade agreements that sit behind the World Trade Organization. Those agreements include the Agreement on Trade-Related Aspects of Intellectual Property, or TRIPS, an international agreement that provided for minimum standards of IP protection to be implemented by members of the WTO. And one of the key things that TRIPS requires is that WTO members provide patent protection for inventions, including those relating to new medicines and medical technologies. That's right. And there's a couple of things that we need to bear in mind to you. The first is that when a lot of countries are signing up to the WTO, including about 35 countries referred to as the least developed countries, they didn't have IP laws in place. So to address that, provisions were agreed that allowed them to take some time to implement them. Initially, for the LDCs, the agreed transition period was 10 years from 1995, uh, but that has been extended a number of times and it's currently due to come to an end in July. July this year. So there's now a proposal before the WTO for that transition period to be extended for another 12 years because of the impact of COVID on those least developed countries. And the second thing is that when we think about patents that cover something like a vaccine, it isn't as simple as saying, oh, I have a patent for vaccine X. For products as complex as vaccines, there is a whole heap of innovation that goes into the systems that allow you to produce the vaccines and the way they are delivered into the human body, as well as into the vaccines themselves. So, for example, while the AstraZeneca vaccine itself was developed in response to the pandemic, the technology that it relies on is the product of 20 years of research at Oxford University. And Oxford Uni filed a patent covering the viral vector used to produce the protein that induces an immune response a decade ago, back in 2011. Oxford University has licensed that patent and others that it holds to AstraZeneca. And as for the Pfizer, BioNTech and the Moderna vaccines that we hear about, they both rely on technology called mRNA technology. And last year, Nature magazine published a study that reported having identified 113 different patent families relating to mRNA vaccine technology, dating as far back as 2010. And it's not just Moderna and BioNTech who own those patents. Some are owned by other multinational companies like Bayer and BMS and GSK, and some are, some are owned by smaller companies which are not household names. So back to the waiver, what is actually being proposed, Emma? Well, back in October 2020, two proposals were submitted to the WTO. The first one we've already mentioned. That was a proposal by the least developed countries for a further extension of the provisions giving them extra time to comply with their TRIPS obligations. 
the proposal for this extension is really not particularly controversial. The only real debate is around how long the extension should be. The second proposal, however, is for the TRIPS obligations of WTO members, including the provisions that require patents to be granted for inventions, to be waived. And I quote, in relation to the prevention, containment or treatment of COVID-19 for X number of years from the decision of the General Counsel. That proposal was initially submitted by South Africa and India and is now co-sponsored by a large number of other countries. Until last week, it was opposed by the US, but that's now changed and New Zealand has said it will take the lead of the US. It's still being opposed by Europe, Australia, the UK, Japan and a handful of other countries. And the US move is particularly surprising as the US has always been a really strong proponent of robust IP laws. It was actually the US who pushed for TRIPS to be introduced into the suite of WTO agreements in the first place. And with some of the world's biggest pharmaceutical companies being based in the US, it really was big news for the US to do such, a, such an about face. But the change in position doesn't mean the waiver is a fait accompli, with Europe and others holding out the waiver will not be approved. And then even if it is approved, then there will need to be greater clarity around what patents are going to be affected. The proposed waiver at the moment would cover not just vaccines, but medical devices, drugs and diagnostics. But all of the focus of the discussion really has been around vaccines. If it is limited to vaccines, then as we've already discussed, the range of patents that could be affected isn't limited to just a handful of patents that are very specific to the vaccines that are being distributed. So there really is a, a whole lot of detail that still needs to be worked out. Absolutely. And it's also important to bear in mind that a patent waiver of itself will not necessarily ensure more equitable access to vaccines. Vaccines are really quite tricky to make. So as well as patent rights, there's an awful lot of know-how, which is held by companies like Pfizer, Moderna and AstraZeneca that go into producing safe, good quality vaccines on a commercial scale. Generic companies in India, for example, will not be able to ramp up production quickly just because patent rights are being waived. And even if they can, it's really important that vaccine quality is not compromised, which is a real concern. Even in Australia, we don't have the capacity to make mRNA-based vaccines, and the level of investment and time required to develop that capacity means there is no real prospect of Australia producing its own mRNA vaccines during the current pandemic. Completely agree. And, and while there's no doubt that we need to ensure that people around the world can get access to vaccines, it's also important to bear in mind that there is a huge amount of investment that goes into developing new drugs, including vaccines. And while some of that funding does come from public sources, a lot of it comes from the pharmaceutical companies who also take the risk that investment in a potential drug may not work. To put that in perspective, there have been over 170 COVID-19 vaccine candidates investigated so far, but to date only a handful of those have made it to market. So is there an alternative that preserves patent rights but still addresses the need for equitable access? Well, I think it's fair to say there is no single perfect solution, but COVAX is an initiative co-led by Gavi, the Coalition for Epidemic Preparedness Innovations, and the World Health Organisation, which seeks to achieve equitable access to vaccines 
by securing access to cost-effective vaccines using funding donated from both public and private sources. So far, they have about $6.6 billion. Both Pfizer and BioNTech entered a supply agreement with COVAX in January, and that will see up to 40 million doses supplied at a not-for-profit price. Similarly, AstraZeneca has agreed to supply its vaccine at a not-for-profit price through COVAX and has entered various license arrangements around the world, allowing for third-party production of its vaccine, including a license with the Serum Institute of India to allow for the production and supply of its vaccine there. And Johnson & Johnson is currently in negotiations with the Gavi Vaccine Alliance, which is expected to make up to 500 million doses of its vaccine available through COVAX through to 2022. It has also licensed the South African pharmaceutical company Aspen to manufacture 300 million doses of its vaccine for supply throughout Africa. So the pharmaceutical companies clearly do recognise the need for access to their vaccines around the world, and these licence arrangements allow them to share their technologies and know-how without compromising their IP rights or patient safety. That's right. And actually, just a couple of weeks ago, we saw some of the world's largest pharmaceutical companies, including Johnson & Johnson and AstraZeneca and Pfizer, announced that they had signed up to an IP pact or a statement of IP principles for advancing cures and therapies, which outlines their commitment to approach IP protection and enforcement in a way that has patient and societal benefit at its core. I think another really important point to make here is that focusing on IP rights, particularly patent rights, detracts from some other major factors that restrict access to vaccines, one of the most significant of which is the role that national governments have in restricting access. So we've heard a lot in Australia already about the EU blocking exports of the AstraZeneca vaccine to Australia. Uh, we've also seen the US stop filing both treatments and vaccines. And perhaps even more troubling, um, as this massive second wave of the pa pandemic hit India, the government announced a ban on all vaccine exports, including to COVAX. So at the same time as agitating for patent rights, India is blocking the supply of a large volume of vaccines from licensed generic producers to countries who are also in really great need of those vaccine supplies. And then another factor is access to raw materials. We're seeing global shortages of various different materials used in the manufacturing processes of the vaccines. Uh, and some national governments have been criticised for not taking steps in advance to secure the supplies of those materials. So again, patent waivers won't, won't solve those practical problems. It really is complex and complicated. Uh, but I hope that we've shed a little bit of light uh, on what all this talk about patent waivers is about. So until next time. You have been listening to a podcast brought to you by Herbert Smith Freehills. For more episodes, please go to our channel on iTunes or SoundCloud and visit our website herbertsmithfreehills.com for more insights relevant to your business.